All right, Lord, we thank you so much for the awesome power of the Holy Spirit and what you're doing tonight. Lord, we ask you to come settle your presence over this word tonight. We ask you to anoint this, anoint me tonight. Come speak through me. Lord, let everything be accomplished through the, the teaching of the word that you're willing to be done. Lord, I pray and I ask you that your word will go out of my mouth and let it be, Lord, as light shining in every dark place and just dispelling out any darkness, any deception, any lies of the enemy. Let it be a hammer that breaks down any strongholds. Let it be the sword of the Lord that cuts away everything that needs to go. Lord, I ask you to come, Lord. Let your word be as living seeds sown out into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Spirit of God, that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Let it bear fruit for your kingdom. And even now, Lord, I ask you by your Holy Spirit just to captivate us and help us to give you our best ear and full attention just to be locked in right now to what the Holy Spirit is speaking. And Lord, help us have eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, we thank you. Your word says that it won't return void. So Lord, we thank you that it's going to go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. We just bind back the resistance in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, come, Lord, have your way. Help us get our minds focused and locked in right now to what you're speaking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, this is part two of the healing series. I'm going to deal with renewing the mind and faith confessions. Um, let me just kind of open up and share a little bit. I'm going to go through this chart. So those that have theirs. You can download this on our website, okay? We're going to have these on the website for free. We have them in PDF format, but we also have the actual pictures. The picture number one would be the front, picture two the back. You can take this and go maybe to your local Kinko's or whatever and get them to print it out 11 by 17 and laminate it, and you'll have one as well. Okay, It shouldn't cost hardly anything to do that. But anyway, we have these available, and I'm going to come back to this at the end and I'm going to go through this with you. But I have just a little bit I want to share up front. I love God's Word. And um, I'll tell you, the key to coming into the healing ministry is really being established in the Word of God. But let me give you a couple things. We all know, without me going back into it, that we are created body, soul, and spirit. Okay, Your inner man is your spirit man. Your soul is your mind, emotions, that area. And then your physical body. I'm not going to go any deeper with it than that tonight. But I want you to think about something. When David had to deal with Goliath, what did David do? It says that David remembered the lion and the bear. That's really important with where I'm going tonight. David had to learn how to do that. In fact, whenever he lost everything to the Amalekites, it says that he got alone. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. David knew how to pray and how to encourage himself. Because even his own men were thinking of stoning him. But he got alone with God and encouraged himself. And whenever he had to face a giant, what did he do? He remembered, wait a second, there was a time when I was alone out in the field and I was watching my father's sheep and this lion comes in. And God delivered me from the paw of the lion, and I was able to kill the lion. Now, how many of you guys have fought a lion at some point in your life? 
do the second altar call for lying. Come on down. We'll just get it all get it all learned the blood. I'm just kidding. The only one I would believe if they said that would be maybe Fernando. I'm just kidding. His, I can see him wrestling. You know, he's got him in some kind of grip. But the lion, think about it. David, I think people sometimes think of David. And David was just a normal, average, um, probably six foot or less, you know, 150-pound teenage guy. Okay? He, he was just a normal guy. For him to, to kill that lion by himself was supernatural. I mean, he wasn't doing it just running out. I mean, it, this was God's intervention, okay? And and also then he said he remembered the bear. So apparently he didn't just have the misfortune of running into a lion, but also a bear showed up one day. And how many of you guys have ever seen a bear? And when a bear stands up, I mean, these things are huge. And uh, so David defeated both the lion and the bear, and he remembered that God helped him to do that. And whenever he was out there, and he knew that when he faced Goliath, he needed to remember. He needed to pull from the back of his mind and remember, wait a second, God gave me supernatural victories in the past, and therefore, he's going to give me this victory as well. What I'm trying to say is, is that we need to remember the answer prayers that God has given us. We need to remember the miracles and the wonders of the Lord and the testimonies and all of that. You need to pull on those resources because what David did was he used his memory to remember that. And then he saw with his imagination, he saw that giant come down and be defeated just like the lion and the bear. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? That's part of having a renewed mind that you remember how God's been with you in the past and he gave you victory. And then you look into your future and you say, God's been with me in the past. He's delivered me. He's done supernatural things in my life. And now what I see in my future is I see God's going to show up again and do it again. It's very important. Because a lot of times when the enemy comes, it's like a Goliath. Goliath tried to intimidate David. And he tried to get David to sit back there and be scared like everybody else. But David pulled from that resource. He said, no, wait a second. Everybody else is afraid of this guy. And rightfully so. The guy was huge, you know. He was like 10 foot tall. And he was this beast of a man. And everybody was afraid of him. But David said, you know, wait a second. God gave me the lion and the bear. He's going to give me this guy too. It's no different. And God also gave to Abraham. So when God spoke to Abraham, he could have just told Abraham, because Abraham had great faith. He could have just told him, Abraham, listen, I'm going to give you a son, just believe me. And Abraham would have believed God. But God didn't do that. God took Abraham out and said, Abraham, I want you to look up in the sky. It was nighttime and he saw all the stars. And God told Abraham, I want you to number the stars, count them. How can you count them? And Abraham's looking all around, go, I can't really count them. There's so many. And the Lord said, your descendants will be like these stars. They're going to be too numerous to number. And then he also told him, he gave him another visual and said, it's going to be like, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. Can you count the sand? I mean, there's no way that you could count. And God said, it'll be like that. They're going to be too numerous to number. And so God gave Abraham an encounter with him. And in that encounter, God gave him a visual for his future, so to speak, something that Abraham could remember. So first off, most of you at some point in your life has had an encounter with God. You need to remember that. You need to remember the wonders of the Lord and let that encourage you. Don't forget about how God has worked in your life. 
Maybe you were hit by the power of God in church and you, you were on the ground and you felt God's presence. Remember those days. God doesn't have to touch us. He loves us. Remember how God has moved in your life, how God has healed you at times, how God has supernaturally provided finances for you. Remember how he sent people in your path um, to, to help you when you needed help and all the things God's done for you. But see, Abraham could remember, wait, I had this encounter with God. But not only that, God showed me something. And throughout his life, you, you understand, Abraham lived many years without a son. How are you supposed to father this nation that's too numerous to count when you don't even have one kid yet? And so Abraham had to live many years without a child, but I promise you, Abraham kept seeing with his mind. He kept seeing stars, and he kept seeing sand on the seashore, and he kept remembering back in his mind, wait a second, I had an encounter with God, and God spoke to me about this. And he would see into his future stars, sand. You see what I'm saying? That's how God is wanting us to be. He wants us to remember what he's done. And he wants us to imagine that he's with us and going to give us victory in the future. You know how the devil attacks a lot of people mentally? He attacks them with fear of their future. What does the future hold? And that's, that's very dangerous. And this is something that Kenneth Hagin said that always stuck with me. You remember Jesus taught us, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough issues, right? Just don't worry about tomorrow. Kenneth Hagin said this, if you're worrying about tomorrow, you're, you're doing what Jesus said not to do. And he said, if you're doing what Jesus said not to do, that's actually sin, isn't it? I never really thought of it that way. He was saying, quit worrying about things. Pray about it. Believe God. And if, if we can begin to change the way we think to remember the things that God has done for us in the past, and then look, when we look into our tomorrow... We're seeing the giant come down. We're seeing the promises of God fulfilled in our life. We're seeing the prophetic words of God spoken over us fulfilled. We're seeing provision. We're seeing God taking care of us. You see what I'm saying? And that, that right there is a strong, disciplined soul. And you're going to need that type of mentality in regards to healing. Because you don't want to look into your future and be seeing death and destruction. Okay, You want to be looking into your future... And same way, saying, God's been with me. He's going to be with me tomorrow. He's going to take care of me. And then the second thing I want to point out is life and death are in the tongue. I don't think any of us really realize the extreme power of our words. I think if the body of Christ ever really had an understanding of how seriously powerful our words are and how they literally dictate the course of your life, I think that people would be a lot more careful about what they said. Because people don't mean to, but I hear it all the time. People speak stuff over themselves, over their finances, and they don't mean to, but they're literally setting things in motion against themselves. A year later, they're like, why are things locked up? Because last year, your big mouth locked it up for you real good. And now, you're having to believe God to unlock it. Amen? And so if we could learn to be more careful with the words that come out of our mouth. Some of the things I'm going to teach you tonight is I'm just kind of paving the way for this. I'm going to teach you about having a renewed mind. And I'm also going to teach about the power of the tongue, speaking God's word over your life. And also about this, 
praising God and pressing through in spiritual warfare. Did you know, yes, God deserves all of our praise. When we enter into his presence, the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise, he deserves our praise. Remember the, the giant um, in the Bible, the giant of praise was David. Remember, and he would dance and just love God. He was a great praiser. And But let me tell you something. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat was confronted with the enemy, and he was outnumbered and scared. And the prophet of the Lord spoke to Jehoshaphat and said, Listen, if you'll listen to what the Lord says, you will have success and you're going to be okay. And you know what Jehoshaphat did? He listened to the prophet, and instead of sending warriors in front, like you would think, you would get the biggest guys, the most powerful warriors, give them all swords and armor, and you're going to blind them all up in front, and you're going to go against the enemy that way. That would be what most people would do. But Jehoshaphat was operating with the Lord, and he took the praisers and the dancers, and he stuck them in front. How ridiculously funny that would have been if you and I could watch this. Here they are with their little tambourines going down. They're singing, you know, and they're going into battle praising God. And as they're going and singing praises, they literally topped a mountain and looked down, and there was just a sea of dead people. God had thrown them into confusion, and they killed each other. And Israel had to spend a significant amount of time pulling off all the gold and all the stuff that they, they had there to plunder the enemy. My point is, is that praise, your praise will break through in spiritual warfare. If there's heaviness, what does the Bible say? For he will give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise is what breaks you through the heaviness. Is anybody seeing that? Now here in a moment, I'm going to deal with all this as I get into this chart. But it's important that we learn the power of praise. There's more to it than God does deserve all of our praise. He deserves all of our worship, no doubt about it. But there's more to it than just exalting him alone. As you're exalting him, there's actually warfare that God is releasing on your behalf. My favorite scripture, I believe, is in Isaiah where it talks about how the Lord takes his fist and the, and the punishing rod and he will smite the enemy, and he will he will crush your enemies with the sound of praise. You know, and every time Israel went to battle, they would send Judah first. Why? Because Judah it means praise. They would always send Judah first, and God would give them victory. And also the awesome power of meditating on God's word. The Bible says, "As a man thinks, so he is." What goes on in your mind is a big deal. Did you know that there's no adulterous affair that really ever happens spontaneously? Most of the time, adulterous affairs were thought about. And over time, then they acted on it. So what goes on in your head is very, very big deal. Because as you're thinking on something, it will ultimately find its way coming out of your mouth. And it will find its way coming out through your actions. So if you can win the battleground of the mind you'll nip most things in the bud before it becomes an issue. But the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And also it says that we're to hide God's word in our heart. Do you know what it means to hide his word in your heart? It means that you memorize it. Now, the transformed, you guys have heard me teach on it, but for the sake of people that haven't, the word transformed there is metamorpho in the Greek. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. A metamorphosis is where a caterpillar goes into a cocoon as a caterpillar, but it comes out a butterfly. 
So what God's saying is, is as you meditate on the Word of God and as you renew your mind to the Word of God, you will go from the caterpillar life into the butterfly life. And you look at the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly. caterpillar is stuck on the ground, and as it walks, it has to go up and down based on the contour of the ground. So it can run up against all kinds of obstacles, but a butterfly soars above all of that, and there's a freedom there. And what, what the renewed mind is, the renewed mind with the scripture is the ability that you're not going to be caught up in the ups and downs of the world system, but you soar above it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so God's wanting us to get to the place where we can soar above the issues and not be like the world up and down. And let me just encourage those that are young in the ministry those that are willing to really study the Word of God and, and read books, and God's going to help you to have some depth about you. But those that don't, because I've seen people that aren't that way, they're too lazy to really pray and really study, and really later on in their ministry, there's not a lot of depth. I mean, you guys want to have some depth. You want to have some meat. You want to have something that when you get up and talk, you have something to say. And that's what I'm encouraging you is to really study the Word of God for yourself and study the books that we're putting into your life and, and get some depth, okay? Amen? All right, just a few more things. James 3, verse 4 says, look at the ships also. You think about a giant ship. Though they are so great and driven by strong winds, they're still directed by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires, so also the tongue is a very small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. So what it's saying here is that your tongue is small and it's like a rudder. And your tongue will actually turn the whole course of your life. Are you seeing that? Your whole life is depicted here as a big ship. But your whole life is turned based on your mouth. That's a lot of power, isn't it? That your whole life is affected by what your mouth is speaking. The conversations of today have a lot to do with your life tomorrow. And your life today has a lot to do with your conversations of times past. If there's struggles now, ask yourself, has my mouth said those things in times past? You may need to unlock that. You may have actually put something over you that's trying to hinder. All right. We know that God's word, when we speak it out of our mouths, there's incredible power in God's word coming out of our mouth. We know that our lives can be altered into the will of God, but this can take time. It takes time to get your mind renewed, to get the word of God in your heart, and to keep speaking the word of God over your life. And as you do that, it's altering your life. Let me, let me try to explain it this way. Picture that your mind is really meditating on the Word of God, so therefore now your mind is beginning to be changed. The way you used to think is now totally changing. Also, the Word of God is going from the mind now, and it's going all the way down into your heart. And when it gets down into your heart, it's really producing heart faith, a deep faith. Not just, uh, yeah, I intellectually agree with what you're saying, not that. This is a deep heart faith, okay? And then once it gets down in there, now it's coming up out of your heart and it's coming out of your mouth. 
And the words you're speaking, when you speak the word of God out of your mouth, it's coming out of heart faith. And it's coming out of your mouth, and it's the word of God. And it, it is extremely powerful. Amen? It's breaking through. That's what we're talking about. But this takes time. There's There's got to be a process of you really meditating on the word of God and speaking the word of God and letting it get into your heart that is going to result in great faith. And like last week, I talked about growing in your faith. All of us need to grow more and more in our faith. Okay, And then also when you see the persistence in your faith, remember Jesus said, keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Keep being like the persistent widow. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. And that's, that's the thing. Be persistent in your faith and in your prayer and your fasting because as you're persistent, it's like you're creating an openness there and heaven is beginning to invade your life. But you've got to be persistent. You can't pray and then give up. You've got to keep pressing in. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray that his kingdom come and will be done on earth. Now, people think that that just has to do with him riding the white horse and coming back. It does, but it also has to do with the here and the now. Okay, God is, there's not poverty in heaven, so he's wanting to bring heaven to earth where there's supernatural provision. There's not sickness in heaven. He's wanting heaven to come to earth that will eradicate sickness. Amen? So, Jesus is the image of the Father. We know that. And we know that he said, I can't do anything unless the Father's doing it. I won't do it. I, I, I do what I see him doing. I speak what I hear him speaking. Jesus was 100% in tune with the Father, and he was the reflection of the Father. He told Peter and the disciples, when you see me, you see the Father. Okay? So with that said, every person that came to Jesus, Jesus healed them, he delivered them, they went away from Jesus happy and blessed. Amen? So that is the reflection of the heart of the Father, that everybody that comes to him, he's wanting to provide for them. He's wanting to heal them, he's wanting to deliver them, he's wanting, even to the degree that you think about Jesus feeding all these people, you know, Jesus had that heart of compassion that these people were following him and they were hungry. And so he said, look, I'm going to take care of you. He could have just told him at some point, guys, let's get late. Go home, get some food, go home. But instead, he had a heart to take care of them. They're following me. So everybody sit down. Let me pray over the fish and the bread. Okay, we're about to eat. And he blessed them. So the key is, and I'm going to emphasize this a lot in this series, to grow in our faith and to not give up. If you're not seeing a miracle, no matter what it is, whether it's physical, whether it's inner healing, whether it's a financial thing, whatever it is where you need God to show up and you're not seeing the breakthrough yet, don't give up. Keep growing in your faith and seek God for, Lord, why is this not happening? Show me, reveal to me, is there something that I'm not seeing, that I need to pray about or deal with that's going to unlock this miracle. Because a lot of times there is something there. It's not necessarily that you're in sin, but it's maybe something you need to discern. Maybe there's there's a, a, a spiritual, a spirit of infirmity that's coming against you, or maybe there's something. There's so many different examples I could give you. I, I'll give you one. There was a woman that desperately wanted to get pregnant, her and her husband, and she went to a pastor, and the pastor had wisdom, and he, he asked her, he said, in your life, did you ever speak that you didn't want to have children? And she she thought for a minute and just was like, oh, my goodness, 
you know, her face in her hands. And she said, when I was growing up, my parents were sick. I had to take care of all my brothers and sisters. She said, I spoke over and over and over and over. I'll never have kids. I don't want to ever have kids. Because she was just frustrated. And he said, let's pray about it. She asked forgiveness. She broke that curse off her life. She got pregnant. In fact, she got pregnant. I think she had two or three kids after that. So it, it that locked it up. What I'm saying is if you seek God, Lord, I've prayed about this. I'm not seeing a breakthrough. Is there something somewhere that needs to unlock this? Is there an unforgiveness? Is there a generational curse or something? Is there is there something that I need to discern? Sometimes you can just be straight up in spiritual warfare. It's not even that you're doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right. And so the enemy is trying to resist you. And when you discern that, it'll, you'll get the breakthrough there. Is this helping anybody? My point is, grow in faith and don't give up. And don't start making weird, unbiblical doctrines that, well, I guess it's not God's will about stuff. Don't do that, because if you ever go down that path, that path right there is a path full of doubt, fear, and unbelief, and almost no miracles. Because how can you ever believe God if you start thinking, well, I don't know if he wants to bless me and take care of me, and I don't know. I, I just How can you ever believe God for anything if your mentality about him is that he's not a good God and he's not going to take care of you and, 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 and that, well, I don't know if it's his will to heal me or deliver me or, or provide for me or whatever. There's no faith in that. That's why it's so important that what we're going to deal with tonight, that you meditate on this word of God and you get it so established in your mind that it becomes like a fortress in your mind that I believe what the Bible says Come hell or come high water, come spiritual warfare, no matter what, my mind is in agreement with the Word of God, and the Word of God is hidden in my heart. It's locked in there. I believe it. It's like I'm anchored in the Word of God. And see, the Word of God can become in your life like deep roots, like an oak tree. Because, you know, when the winds come really strong, something like an oak tree that's been there for, you know, decades and decades and decades, it's pretty hard to pull that thing up. I mean, it's going to take a serious tornado because it has such deep roots. And that's how God wants us to be, that we have such deep roots in his word. We're so established in it that when the adversary comes, he may come so strong that it feels like the winds of resistance are going to blow the shirt right off you, man. You're just sitting there like this, just going. But you're so anchored in the word of God that you're unable to go all the way back. It's like you're locked into the Word of God that the resistance is strong, but you've got, you're full of the Word and you're established. Here's some prayers that really touch God. Number one is the famous, uh, was it 2 Chronicles 7.14? I believe it says, If we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, He will hear from heaven and heal our land. Our land is our lives, first and foremost. You're, the landscape of your life is the first land that you need to be dealing with, okay? And when you humble yourself, that's the key. And you pray and you seek God's face and you turn from your wicked ways. You forgive people. You confess your sin. You get things right. Then it says God will hear from heaven and heal your land. You know why some people, and I'm certainly not saying this as a majority, but you know why some people don't get answered prayers? is because they're not right. They haven't humbled themselves. They haven't confessed their sins. Did you know that, that there's some people out there that they're full of pride, they're full of sin, but they think, well, if I pray, God will just do it. But God's not listening to that. 
You know who he listens to? He listens to people that humble themselves. They, they repent of their sin and they come before him through the blood of Jesus. Those people. You hear what I'm saying? All right. I'm not saying God doesn't love everybody, but I am saying that some people's prayers are hindered because they're not right. Okay? All right. And then also, we got to know in our heart of hearts that is God's desire that we be in health and prosperous, our soul prosperous, because the Bible says that. And then finally, the Bible says He gives grace to the humble that we humble ourselves and God give us the grace and the faith to possess the promises of God. Remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Salvation, which is the word sozo, it comes by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. It is by grace through faith that you come into the sozoed life. And I know first and foremost that's born again. I know that. But there's more to the sozoed life than just being born again. There's healing, deliverance, protection, being preserved and, and prospering. But you humble yourself and God gives you the grace and the faith to possess the promises. Those are prayers that God's going to hear. So let me get into this chart. This is a combination of your personal prayer life. It's a combination of meditating on the Word of God. It's a combination of speaking the Word of God. Okay? This is something that I believe that if people will apply it to their lives over a period of time, I don't mean for one day. I tried it, Pastor Scott, yesterday. And, now listen, I'm talking about over a period of your life <laughs> that it will produce great faith. Okay, And this, this is in connection with, if you have not heard the series on prayer that I did, go back, it's on the website, go back, it's uh, going... Going Deeper in Prayer, I believe is the name of the series. That series, also the priesthood of the believer. That series goes along with this. And maybe even the seductions of Satan, which deals with inner healing and deliverance. But see, this is something that those that have been with me for a little while, and you know these things, this is something that's really going to build on that. Okay. But the first and foremost is this. Just like the, the tabernacle pattern, you, you get washed at the labor, the washing of the water of the word. When you come into God's presence, the first thing you want to do is make sure there's not any sin that's going to hinder. And see, the priest, when they would go into the tabernacle, they would have to wash their hands and feet before they went in. It's a cleansing. You've got to take time to get washed with the water of the word and, and humble yourself and, and check yourself. I use the Ten Commandments like a mirror. And you can look at it, Lord, is there any idols? We do this every week, so you probably have it memorized at this point. But in your own personal prayer life, how many people would not fall into sin? How many people would be sustained and, 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 and the devil wouldn't be able to get a foothold because every day they examine themselves? Because see, what happens is people get out of prayer. They stop examining themselves. They stop praying that way. And something slithers in. And before you know it, over time, they end up falling. Okay. So check yourself. Lord, is there any idols? Is there anything with my mouth? Is there any dishonoring of parents, dishonesty, adultery? Looking with lust is adultery, murder of the heart, covetousness. And also I added in there pride, ungodly fear, or rebellion. <clears throat> so as you're coming into prayer, examine yourself. And that will lead you to the Lord's Supper, or you don't have to take communion, but just coming through the blood, okay? Getting washed and covered in the blood of Jesus. And this is where it's important. Now please everybody hear me. 
You've got to get these scriptures beyond just agreeing. I agree with Pastor Scott. That's in the Bible. That's not enough. You need to get it in your heart. You need to get it deep down in you that you believe that God made him who knew no sin become sin for me that through him I am the righteousness of God. You've got to get anchored in that. You know where a lot of baby Christians struggle and stumble? And even with healing issues is because people feel unworthy. That's false humility, and it's actually pride. Because, of course, you're not worthy. This should be common sense for all of us. How many of us were worthy when we came to Jesus? We deserve that. Anybody? Because I don't. All right. So, of course, we're unworthy. None of us deserve Calvary. That's the whole point. That's why it takes so much humility to go at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I am so unworthy, but yet you died for me. I I am such a sinful person, but yet you love me. And you understand that it's not our righteousness, which is filthy rags, but it's his right. He's made us righteous. Okay? And the Bible says, listen to this, Christ bore in his body, this is 1 Peter 2.24, our sin, but I added in there Isaiah 53.5, and our transgressions and our iniquity so that we are dead to sin and live unto righteousness. You understand that Christ bore into his body your sin, your transgressions, which is rebellion, your iniquity. It was bore into his body. Now, 1 Peter 2.24, you can die to these things and live righteous. Get that down in you. Once you get that down in you, you'll never be the same. And also, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's got to get down in us. We've got to realize that, yes, people sometimes sin, make mistakes, and they say, God, forgive me, wash me. You need to believe you're forgiven right then. You don't need to do this penance. I'm going to feel bad for a whole month. I'm going to beat myself up. I'm going to feel like a piece of garbage, and and I'm just going to be worthless to God for a whole month and just sit around and mope and feel sorry for myself. That's not going to do anything for anybody. If you sin, man, get on your face. Shed tears, get before God, forgive me and wash me, and then get up from that place saying, I believe. The Bible says I am forgiven and washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to go on now. Amen? I had a hilarious story. Well, it, it's funny hearing David Hogan tell stories. You guys ever heard of the David preach? The guy is an amazing storyteller, and he's hilarious. And he was saying that there was this person he was supposed to pray for, and he didn't, and they died. And he went into a real depression about it. And this depression went on and on and on. And finally, his wife, throughout Mexico, his missions, his wife comes in and says, look, either you get over this or let's go home, okay? And Brother David said, he, he just said, okay, i got to shake this thing off. But see, the enemy had come and really tormented him and beat him up into a place of just feeling like a worthless person. He was just sitting around not doing anything for the kingdom because he was beating himself up. we got to get beyond these things. And when you get this word in you, you begin to believe what the Bible says, that you really are washed and clean. And then, when you know that you're righteous, and you know that you're forgiven, the Bible says, this is the amplified version of James 5.16, my favorite translation says this, the prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Isn't that awesome? So when you know that you're righteous, you know that your prayers are powerful. Now, with that said, how many of you guys know that the devil doesn't want you knowing that you are righteous? He wants you sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. He wants you sitting around feeling unworthy. 
He does not want you to have a revelation that you really are the righteousness of God in Christ and therefore your prayers make tremendous power available. That's why you've got to get this into your mind and into your heart. Is this helping anybody? And as you go through this every day, when I, when I pray in the mornings and I, I take the Lord's Supper, I'm going through these scriptures, Lord, and I say them out loud. And I say them to myself and I speak them out. I'm speaking them over my life. I'm speaking them over my family. I'm speaking it over the ministry. That, Lord, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am made holy by your body and blood. And I quote these scriptures out loud over myself. And it's gotten to the place where it's gotten in my mind, it's gotten in my heart, and I'm speaking it over myself, and it's powerful. I can feel it. There's a power in it. The power of God's word. Secondly, by his stripes we are healed. Getting this in you. Let this not just become an intellectual agreement. I believe that's where a lot of people are missing it. <clears throat> they think I agree with what the pastor's saying. And that's good. But it's more than just in the realm of intellect. You've got to get it down in your heart. And as you meditate on this every day, use this sheet to be something that helps you with it. But you meditate on it. Maybe if you take the Lord's Supper and you pray, Lord, by your stripes, the wounds that you took on the cross, I am healed now. Also, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and gives life to our bodies. Think about that. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and he's giving life to our bodies. Now that's pretty radical. Does anybody realize that really? See, I think sometimes we, we hear things but it doesn't sink in. Do you realize that God really lives in you? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that the Spirit of Almighty God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that was brooding over the earth and in the power of the Holy Spirit to create life as we know it, that same Spirit lives in you. And Paul said that Spirit will give life to your body. When this gets into your way of thinking, it gets down into your spirit, and you're speaking it over your life, it, don't be surprised that your life doesn't start altering because your mind's being renewed. It's getting in your heart, and it's coming out of your mouth, and it's starting to change your very life. The Bible says God sends his word and heals us. It also says those that fear the Lord, the son of righteousness arises with healing in his wings. How many of you fear the Lord? The son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Many people believe that's why the, the woman with the issue of blood grabbed hold of the, of the prayer shawl of Jesus because she understood there was healing in his wings. You know, When praying, the Bible says believe that you have received it and speak to the mountain. This is where a lot of Christians struggle. When we pray about anything, first you've got to establish that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, and your prayers are powerful. When you sincerely pray about anything, you need to believe that God hears you and that he's doing it. You need to believe that. You can't leave your prayer time going, well, I hope he heard that one. There's no faith in that. I'm just telling you. I love you, man, if that's you, but there's no faith in that. And God will give you faith. He'll help you. But you've got to pray and believe. When you come out of your prayer time, you should be saying this, Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering those prayers. I believe I receive this done in Jesus' name. And then you start speaking to your situation. The Bible says this situation. Situation, you're changing. Because the Bible says about you 
that you're going to be different. And you're speaking the word of God and you believe that God has heard you and he's doing it. That's the difference. We've got to get to the place in our faith where we believe that God is who he says he is, that his word is truth, it is eternal truth, and that when we pray about something, we have to believe it to be done and start speaking it as though it is done. That is radical faith, and that's the type of faith that moves mountains. That's why Jesus said that. He said, when you pray about something, believe that you have received it, and then as you speak to the mountain, it will move. He said, it will be cast into the sea. That's what he's talking about. This is the mountain-moving faith. So in other words, you, you have a financial need. So you know the Bible says, and you can quote scriptures, he'll supply all my needs on and on we go. So you pray, Lord, you know I need X amount of dollars. I need a miracle. And I'm asking you for this miracle. You're sincere. You really pray about it. You say, Lord, I believe that you heard me and it's done. Because the Bible says I'm made righteous and you hear my prayers and I believe it's done in Jesus' name. So from that point, you need to start the next day when you go in prayer. You say, Lord, I thank you so much for hearing my prayer yesterday. I thank you so much that you're moving in this financial situation. I may not see it yet, but I know that you're, you're at work. You're changing things. Your angels are on assignment. I believe you, Lord. Thank you because you said you'd take care of me. You'd spawn my needs. I believe you. That is what moves things. But if you come out of your prayer, time, prayer life three days later, you don't see anything yet, and you sit around you know, at uh, Subway or whatever with a friend and you're all negative and you're going, well, I prayed about it, but I haven't seen anything. I don't know if God's going to do it. That a lot of times is why things don't happen for people that could have happened. And again, understanding God's heart, his desire. John prayed above all things that you're in health and prospers your soul prosper. And so the last one is uh, deliverance. Jesus paid for our deliverance. If you're going through something that you know is some kind of an oppression of the evil one, and it may be stubborn as all get out, it is not the will of God. Jesus, Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It's written, cursed is he was on the tree. He redeemed us of the blessings given to Abraham. Come on us as Gentiles. You've got to believe that Jesus paid as he hung on that cross. Jesus hung there for six hours. Most scholars believe that he was nude because that's the way they did crucifixion. So it was a shameful thing that he was willing to go through for you. It's horrible. But he hung there for six hours. His body was ripped to shreds. Blood was coming out. He's in excruciating pain. But it says, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. He hung there on that tree becoming a curse for you because that's how much he wanted you delivered. He could have got up during the whipping post, but he stayed there and let them plow his back. Was it 39 times? You know, he could have got up at 29, but he stayed all the way to 39 because that's how much he wants you healed. And the Bible says the promises of God are this. It says, if you will serve the Lord, your God, he will bless your bread and your water. That's your food and drink. He'll remove sickness from your midst. There will be none that miscarry or barren in the land. He will fulfill the number of your days. And listen to this. He said, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come. That's your enemies. And I will make your enemies turn their backs to you. They'll flee. This is the promise of God for you. Now think about that scripture. 
He will bless your food. He'll remove sickness from your midst. That's out of your home. That's out of your midst. What's your midst? That's out of your life. He'll remove it from your midst. He said, there won't be any that are barren or miscarried. He said, I will fulfill the number of your days. You're not going to die young. You're going to live your full lifespan. I'm going to make sure of it. And he said, I'm going to send my terror into the camp of your enemies. I'm going to terrorize them. They're going to be confused, and they're going to flee before you when you come. There's a lot of really good promises right there. You could camp out on that scripture for a long time and stay real happy. Okay? Real happy. So Galatians 3, 13 through 14 says that he redeemed us from the curse of the law, but that the blessings given to Abraham come on us. So let me give you some advice here. I speak this out loud, and since God showed me this and since I've been doing this, it is this has really revolutionized my life. As I'm praying in the morning, I'll say, Lord, I believe I receive the blessings given to Abraham, and I'm specific. I believe I receive on my life and my family the blessings of exaltation and promotion. Because the Bible says I'll be the head, not the tail, not the bottom. But I believe it's coming on me and my family and the ministry. I believe the blessings of divine health and long life and reproductiveness are on me and my family. You know what? That is what I just read before. That you'll have divine health. He'll remove sickness from your midst. There'll be none that miscarry. That's the um, reproductiveness. And he said, the number of your days will be in full. You're not going to die early. You're going to have your full lifespan. And then he also said, I'll pray this, Lord. I believe I received the blessings of what the Bible says, prosperity, abundance, and wealth. Because that's the blessings that were given to Abraham. Listen to what God spoke over Israel. He said in Deuteronomy 8.18, I will give you the power to gain wealth. Isn't that a powerful scripture? I'll give you the power, the ability to gain wealth. He said, I'll give you durable riches in Proverbs 8.18. Durable riches means this. It means what you own will work better and last longer than it should. It's durable. That washing machine may be 30 years old. But, buddy, it's still running, and, and people are going, how old is that thing, you know? It's, you just tell them, it's durable. It's durable. And then also, the, the blessing of the Lord, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. You know, the world, people get rich in the world, but there's a lot of sorrow attached to that. And I love this one. Man, Lord, I believe I receive on me and my family in this ministry favor. This is so important. The Bible says in Psalm 512, he said, God surrounds the righteous with favor like a shield. Can you imagine coming out of your prayer time saying, oh, I have favor. Everywhere I go today, I'm my favor with everybody. When I go into the store, I'm my favor. And you keep speaking that and you will. The righteous are surrounded with favor like a shield around them that every person that you come in contact with, the favor of the Lord should affect them. They like you and they don't know why. You leave out of there and they're scratching their head going, why did I just give them that deal? I mean, it didn't make any sense. Why, you know, and people, people give you deals. They're, they're, for some reason, there's favor on you that things turn in your favor. When you go into situations, all of a sudden the thing starts turning in your favor. That's the favor of the Lord. But it's, we've got to possess the promises of God with faith. You've got to take hold of that and pull it under yourself and walk in it in faith. Lord, I believe today the favor of God is on me. It's the blessings given to Abraham, and it's on me and my family today, and I'm going to walk in favor. Every situation that comes up, I'm going to have favor. I'm going to have favor with every people I come in contact with, all of them, I'm going to have favor. 
And the Bible even goes so far as to say, is if your ways please the Lord, he'll cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. Now think about that. The people out there that have been your enemies, Jesus said you'll have enemies. But listen, God said if your ways please him, that he'll calm them down for you. And then the final blessing given to Abraham was supernatural victory. Abraham was able to supernaturally, with his family, my favorite story in the whole Bible about victory, Abraham with his family defeated four kings in their armies. He whipped them. Now think about that. You've got you and your family. Hey guys, and all you know, your, your family comes together. There's four kings in all of their armies, their warriors. They just conquered Sodom. They just took Lot captive. They're all sitting around drinking and laughing and partying because there's this mass, huge army. And Abraham has got to go rescue Lot, and he tells his family, guys, we're going to go in and take on four kings in their armies. God's going to be with us, and it's going to be okay. And they go in there, and they win. That's supernatural victory, man. There's no other way you can explain that. Supernatural victory over your enemies. The Bible says one will chase a thousand. Think about that. One of you will chase a thousand. Two will chase ten thousand. The Bible says that your enemies may come at you in one direction, but they'll flee in seven. It says that they will fall by the sword before you. They will become your footstool, and you will possess the gates of your enemies. Those are some powerful promises. So, Lord, we believe we receive the blessings of supernatural victory in our lives in Jesus' name. The enemies that come in us in one direction, they're going to flee in seven. They're going to fall by the sword before us. We're going to possess their gates. We're going to take ground. So let me close out with this last part. If you look on the back, it just gives you just kind of an outline. On the bottom part of this is all the different references. So when you come into prayer, remember at the beginning, you come in through the blood, washed in the blood, and you... And, and as you take communion or whatever, if you just want to pray and get washed in the blood without taking communion, but you're coming through the blood and you're claiming these promises. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. By his stripes, I'm healed. I am delivered. The blessings of Abraham on my life. And what do you do? You enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. So you go through the blood, but it's to come into praise, praise and worship. So let me encourage you about this. That in your praise and worship time, that you take some time, exalt the Lord, praise Him. He deserves all your praise. Enter Him with thanksgiving. Thank Him for all He's done for you. Thank Him for your family. Thank Him for your life. I do that every day. But also, praise God for the victory for the things you're believing for. Did you you catch that? Because as you're praising Him for the victory for the things you're believing for, God is moving in that. That is powerful. So your mouth, if you think about it, your mouth is the very instrument through which there's going to be high praises unto God. Your mouth is the instrument through which God can use to prophesy into situations. Your mouth is also where God's word is being spoken out into situations. How does God's word get from heaven into your situation? through your mouth you're speaking god's word out of your mouth into your situation your mouth also is the vehicle through which blessings can be released i'm talking about you speak blessings over situations it's very powerful 
All these are different, but all of them very powerful. But it's your mouth. So as you're praising God for the victory, Lord, I praise you. I thank you. You're at work. You're breaking through these areas, and you're praising him for the victory. I'm telling you, God is on the move. There's spiritual warfare in your favor. Then you begin, once you get through praise and worship, you worship him, you're, you're singing, you're hallowing his name, all of that. You come into God's presence, you begin to pray and to intercede. You can look down at the bottom and pray for Israel, pray for America, pray for your lost loved ones, pray for your pastor and your church, pray for the harvest of souls. But here's something God taught me, and I preached a sermon on it called Recovering All. And a dear pastor friend of mine told me it was one of the more powerful sermons. It really impacted him. Um, I appreciate his church over there. But listen, it's, it's number one is, I don't have time to teach on it, but you apply the blood over situations. You apply the blood over your life. And the blood, when it's applied, will form a hedge of protection. So every day when I pray, I come in through praise and worship, but I pray every day, Lord, I apply the blood over me and my family in this ministry, over our bodies and our health, over our souls over our spirit, over our relationships, over our finances, over our health, our home, our land, our vehicles, what we own, over our travels, over every area of our lives. You can get real detailed over your thought life, your eyes, the words of your mouth. And as you apply the blood over your life and you're totally covered in the blood of Jesus fresh daily, then the Bible says in the book of Job that there's a hedge of protection around. The blood forms a hedge of protection. So you can pray, Lord, I thank you that now there's a hedge of protection. There's like a wall of fire around me and my family and all that I own. The devil can't get through it. There's a wall of fire. there. And then ask the Lord, say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit brood over and fill every area of my life and family and ministry, every area in the Holy Spirit to begin to move everything into the will of God. That the Holy Spirit is drawing us deeper into Christ. The Holy Spirit is convicting of sin. The Holy Spirit is, is his winds are blowing out things that need to go and breathing in what needs to come. And everything in our lives is being moved into the will of God by the Holy Spirit. He's drawing, he's moving, he's shifting. His fire is burning out what needs to go. That is a powerful way to pray. And then, Lord, let your angels go throughout my whole life, wherever this blood is applied. You know, let your angels go through, Lord, and drive out anything that needs to go that they'll break through and help usher in the ministry that all of us need today. Let there be the ministry there that's needed. And also, I always pray this every day. I guess my wife does too because we're talking about it. But I always pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit and your angels go in front of all of us and cut a path and give us safe travels and just prepare our way in front of us that it's safe. We're going to go into a path that's already, somebody's already gone before us and prepared our way. And then once you're, you're in intercession, you're in prayer, you're praying about these things. How many of you guys will do this and pray for your pastor, pray for the church as well? Amen. Then you go into, well, this is the, the prayer Jesus prayed. Our Father, hallowed be your name. That's praise and worship. Your kingdom come, will be done. That's this. Give us our daily bread is the next one. Pray for your needs and pray specific. If you need something specific, pray specific. You know, Dr. Cho's famous story about the bicycle. You pray for a bike. It didn't come. People teased him. He asked the Lord, why didn't you give me the bike? And the Lord said, which bike? And he said, well, I want this specific kind. And he had it within, what was it? Y'all know the story, a couple days or something. I mean, it was just, once he prayed, Lord, I want, I need this specific bike right here, this color. Somebody gave it to him. It was a pal like that. 
And he taught us, he said, pray specific. If you need X amount of dollars, pray specific. But the Holy Spirit, when you have needs, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is out there and he's moving on your behalf and the winds of the Spirit of God will blow in the provision. Did you ever think about that? As you know, the Holy Spirit, his breath, his wind, he'll blow in the provision. And the angels of the Lord are servants into the heirs of salvation. They are out there on assignment. And they're gathering in what you need. You don't see them, but 90% of the stuff that happens for you as Christian out there, you're praying, Lord, do this. You don't realize that the Lord just went, hey, and these angels took off. And they're out there doing it. And then all of a sudden it happens. Praise God. It's the Holy Spirit moving, and it's the angels on assignment. And they'll gather from the north, south, east, and west to bring it in. Then number uh, four or five, whatever it is, forgive us of our debts. Make sure you forgive people. And this is a time I spend a lot of time praying about these issues, that my heart is pure and that everything I'm doing is with right motives and all of that. And then don't lead us into testing trials and tribulations. That's actually a better translation than temptation because God's not tempted and he doesn't tempt you and all that. So actually what you're praying is, Lord, don't lead me into testings and trials and tribulations. I'm humbling myself now, and I'm asking you to help me learn this the easy way. There's, if at all possible, that I won't have to go through these trials and tribulations and major warfare that just help me to, and as you humble yourself and pray that, Lord, help me be dead to the flesh separate and holy from the world, resisting temptation. He'll help you. These are some things I pray. And then deliver us from the evil one. My favorite right there is to quote Psalm 91, which is in this reference. Man, memorize Psalm 91. That's probably my favorite psalm. It's so powerful. And then, you guys, let me just share something just off topic. I was reading this, and the Bible says this. He, he says in the Psalms, God said, I will save my anointed." I read that, man, I was like, that's a good one. Because I looked at it, and saved, and it, it was um, the word Yeshua, which is Jesus' name. But you got to understand that Yeshua in Hebrew is the counterpart to Sozo in the New Testament because that's the Greek word. And so whenever the Bible says he'll save his anointed, he's saying, I'm going to Sozo my anointed. Isn't that awesome? Now think about that because you guys know what the word Sozo means. And not only that, but in Psalms 91, it says at the end of it, those um, I will deliver you. If you set my love upon you, I will deliver you. He said, you'll call upon my name and I'll answer you. I'll be with you in trouble. And he said, um, I will show you my salvation. That's Yeshua. So in other words, he's saying, if you're a secret place dweller, I will sozo your life. I will save you. That really stuck with me. That's powerful. So Jesus' name, Yeshua, is the counterpart in the Greek to what we know as sozo. Isn't that something? All right. So deliver us from the evil one. And then finally, the last part, you begin with praise and you end with praise. Lord, to you be the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. I praise you. I thank you for hearing that answer my prayers. I thank you for victory. And then you can speak a blessing over you and your family and your ministry. Just speak it out. In Jesus' name, I bless. You're going to speak a blessing. And the priestly blessing is there. I wrote it down. But you know, the actual priestly blessing, if you take the proper translation, it says the Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And listen to this. And establish you in his shalom. Shalom, we translate it peace, but it's like peace on steroids. Okay, It's like peace times ten. It's it's not just peace as we know it, but it's it's being complete. It's being whole. It's it, there's a lot more to the word shalom than just what we know as peace. Okay, so when the Bible says that He's going to establish you in His shalom, that's a powerful promise. Okay, so speak that out. All right, hopefully this helped you guys. But there's scriptural uh, prayers on spiritual warfare, um, prayers that I pray out of the Bible just about daily and um, it's got everything that you need to get started here but this is a guide that will help you grow in your faith so here's what I want to close with I'm going to pray for people but I want you to think about this as we pray the reason why I'm trying to get everybody to grow in your faith is this you know when Jesus ministered how many of us know that Jesus had a lot of faith y'all believe that? y'all believe when Jesus prayed he didn't have a faith problem. He believed, right? But why is it then that Jesus would tell a lot of people, not every time, but a lot of times, he would say, your faith made you whole. Why is that in the Bible? Because it's a responsibility for us that are praying for people. It's my responsibility to get alone with God. And when I come, to come in an anointing, revelation, and faith. It's my responsibility to pray with faith. I've got to do my part. But it's also the responsibility of people that we receive with faith. It's a two-way thing. And Jesus, many times, he just healed everybody and all of that. He loved everybody and prayed for them, healed them. But, but he also would mention several times, your faith may be What about the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus didn't even pray for the woman. Didn't even know, as far as we know, he didn't even know she was there. All of a sudden, virtue disappears and Jesus is like, who touched me? what happened and the woman was healed because her faith grabbed hold of it so what i'm saying is is that i'm trying to bring this healing series in a way in a very practical sense those that heard my testimony you know i'm trying to be really practical in a practical way how are you going to grow in faith instead of me just being up here going yeah we all need to grow in faith go let's go out and get to work on that instead of doing that I'm trying to make it real practical that if you will renew your mind, if you will get these scriptures in your heart and keep speaking, you're going to grow. It's going to help you grow in faith. And there's going to be a faith level come up where you're going to start seeing more things in your personal life. So as we go into this healing series, let's pray. Lord, we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek your face. And Lord, we, we've turned from any wicked ways and we humble ourselves and ask you Lord that you would come heal the landscape of our lives Lord we humble ourselves and ask you Ephesians 2 8 9 for the grace and the faith help us have the grace and faith Lord to possess the promises of God to enter into that sozoed life and dwell there to be able to walk in divine health and prosper as our soul prospers Lord I sincerely ask you and I believe people here in agreement with me. The Bible says that two agree it will be done. We come into agreement, Lord, and we're asking you that you would increase our faith. I believe it was Peter that said that. Lord, increase my faith. That's a smart prayer. 
And Lord, we ask you to increase our faith. Let there be a, a rise in our faith level to where we can believe you for things we've never been able to before. Lord, I pray that as people in their own personal prayer life will we'll discipline ourselves to get in prayer and, and to, to renew our minds with these scriptures and get them in our heart and speak them out of our mouths that our faith level will begin to rise. And because we're speaking the word over our lives, that our lives are beginning to conform to the, the image of what we're speaking, the, the word of God over our lives. It has creative power and life in it to alter our lives, that we're speaking into our lives, the word of God. And Lord, that this will change us and there'll be an increase of faith here in the ministry. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name. Brother Zach, if you can shut down recordings. Now, I wonder if you would right where you're at.